This is the Rebellious Wellness Over 50 podcast for women over 50 who aren't done yet. You may have seen the worst of aging and are hoping there's a better way. There is, and I'm going to show you how. In interviews, book reviews, rants, and stories each week, I'm going to bring you the latest science-based info on how to age better. I'm Gregory Ann Cox, and I believe it's time to bust the myth that aging equals decline in every area of life. It pisses me off, and it's BS. Look, aging happens, but it doesn't have to ruin your life. You just need to get a little rebellious in your approach. Welcome back, everybody. I'm always so thrilled to have you here listening in on these conversations of rebellious wellness over 50, which means you get to think a little differently. I'm opening your mind to the possibilities that life could be a little better, more interesting, more exciting by meeting new people and hearing about their experiences and what they bring to the table. And today, my guest is Erin McCullough. Erin, welcome. Thank you so much for having me. I'm glad to be here. You're welcome to be here. I'm happy to have you too. So I'm going to give you a little introduction about Erin, and then Erin's going to tell us her story because I just love her story. And it is truly an inspiration for anybody who, no matter where you are in life, if you feel like the bottom's fallen out or you know, how am I going to get through this thing? Erin's going to help us on the, along the way. Basically, Erin is a joy slinger. That's her phrase. And her mission, pretty much her, her life's purpose is to help people and businesses, people in business, live the best life they can have, have joy at every moment, find ways to find peace in every moment. And anybody listening knows that this has been a pretty unpeaceful year and a little bit. Now it's going into year number two with COVID. But we don't need a virus to upset or up unsettle us. Life just has a way of throwing things our way. So Aaron, if you wouldn't mind telling us about your journey from when the bottom fell out to now, and then we'll talk about how people can apply these things in their daily life. Sure, yeah. So it really started with an anxiety disorder that I created many years ago. And I say I created it because I understand the mind now. I've studied it for about a decade and I get why that happened. And other people create it all the time too. And it's not a fault. It's just a thing that our mind likes to do. It's a place it likes to go. Anyway, it started... We I was actually in a couples counseling. <laughs> it was our first couples counseling. And I had a panic attack in that first meeting. And I didn't know what it was. I'd never had one before. And the counselor explained what it was. And... As it were, they started to happen more often because I decided to do some individual counseling. And through the process of telling my trauma over and over again, I created this disorder. And so it got so bad that in the first eight or nine months, I basically hold myself up in my home because I was so afraid to go out and have a panic attack and pass out or, you know, whatever the ideas were in my mind. Finally, my counselor referred me to a homeopathic psychiatrist and I was given a remedy and that remedy stabilized the chemistry in my body Hmm. so that I was no longer experiencing the anxiety, except that the mental emotional piece was not handled. (laughs) And so while I wasn't experiencing the anxiety, lo and behold, I created it all over again. And so from getting the chemistry all worked out, I decided I'm just going to live in a simpler life. So I moved to Hawaii, small town in Hawaii. And I was like, now I won't create it because it's simple here. But the thing is, is I was still there. And so what I did is I started a business literally in the first 24 hours of moving there. Wow. 
that you know took off like gangbusters. And within 18 months, I had 20 plus employees, several multi six figure contracts. And um, I had no idea how to run a business or do any of the things. So I was scrambling to figure it all out and do all the things. About 10 years later, I'm totally miserable, totally anxiety-ridden, massive stress all day, every day, solving problems for hundreds of clients and 20-plus employees and all the things. I would just get really maniacal when a client would call and complain. And so this morning, I fixed all the problems that started immediately. And this client called and complained. And I got frantic. And I called a friend and said, can I drop my daughter off while I go and fix this problem? So I race over to her house, back into her driveway, and I sideswiped my car in her husband's truck. And I was like, oh my gosh, I'm so sorry. I got to go. So I dropped my daughter off, got in the car, left, came back a couple hours later. And she said, I need to talk to you about something, my friend. And I said, what's that? And she said, my husband was under the truck when you sideswiped it. And he thought it was going to land on him. And it just rocked me to my core. And I thought, this is not how to live life. Like, what am I doing here? You know, over a client complaint? I mean, it's not who cares, but kind of, you know, certainly not worth a life. So then I just delved like headfirst into self-development. I thought, There's got to be a better way to experience this life, not in anxiety and stress. And so I started going to seminars and reading all the books and Oprah and the whole deal. And I started to recognize there was another life to have and started to make some changes and things got a little bit lighter. But about five years after that, I was going through a divorce and it just leveled me. And I thought, you know, I'd spent tens of thousands of dollars on these seminars. And I didn't actually have any that I could like pull from at this, my time of need. I always think books always kind of find me, you know, when they're meant to find me. And there was this book that I had been interested in reading and I just decided it was time. And so I picked it up and it's called A Course in Miracles. You know, the name itself, (laughs) I could use the miracle right about now. (laughs) It has 365 passages and it's meant to be a passage a day for a year. And so I started dropping my daughter off at school and then going to the beach every morning and reading the passages. And while I thought they were interesting the first month, I was kind of like, and, you know, and now what? Second month, though, I had this crazy experience where every time I picked up the book to read the passage, these words were just popping off the page. The path is joy. The answer is joy. Just kept seeing joy, joy, joy. And after like several weeks of that, I was like, okay, (laughs) I hear you, but I don't know how to get there. You know, show me that path. Where is it? And as it were, I had been following this gentleman um, named Mike Dooley for a while. He, I got his uh, notes from the universe because I'd met him at a seminar years prior. And he sent an email saying that there was a seminar coming up. And I just, I sighted on scene, bought it because I was like, I just need anything positive. And I knew he'd deliver. And, and he did. And I went. And as it turned out, it was a day-long seminar on a visualization process that he teaches. And I was so motivated by it. I came home. I started visualizing. And all these things in my life just lined up. 
my business had been for sale for nine months and there'd been no bites, no real bites. And I called my broker up and I said, look, I just want to let you know, my business is going to sell by the end of the month and there's going to be a bidding war. And he was like, well, you know, we'd all like to think (laughs) these things. And I was like, oh no, it's happening. And lo and behold, a week later, it went into a bidding war. It went into escrow. And then I met the love of my life in these very crazy circumstances. And then I got another email from Mike and he was like, would you like to come and train to teach the seminar that I teach? And I thought, well, I don't really know why, but I need to go to this thing. (laughs) So I went and I came back and I put on my first seminar. And while I was standing there, five minutes in, I ditched my notes because it was a culmination of everything that I had ever learned. All of my experiences, everything I'd ever read just came together. And I went, oh, I get it. Like I'm actually supposed to help people find this path to joy or what I call impenetrable joy, which is understanding what's going on behind the scenes so that you can be calm, have peace of mind and meaning in your life now versus waiting. Who doesn't want that? I have a similar visioning story for people that might be listening. They're a little skeptical, like, oh, right, one course visioning and everything's perfect. It's not that everything's perfect. But when we moved here, I had owned a house where we lived before in the Hamptons. And Hamptons real estate is always pretty high, but I got my house when the market was really flat. Anyway, comes time to sell it. There's a lot of houses on the market. But I had done my research and it was a very special house. It was all wood inside, beautiful. And the neighborhood was like a normal little neighborhood, you know, nothing special, but inside the house was magnificent. So I had a price in mind and I got a realtor and she said, I think you're a little high. I said, I don't think so. And she said, all right, I'll list it for that if you want, but don't be surprised if you don't get any offers in the next three months. And because it was going into winter and I said, okay, we'll see. But I knew how long I had to sell it and get the money, right? Because we were doing things here. I had an offer within 11 days. They did not counter the offer and it went to escrow in like two weeks later. And so it was just because I got very clear. I did my research. I saw exactly what I wanted on paper. I saw the numbers and call it a coincidence. Doesn't matter. I feel like I had a hand in it, right? So that's what you're talking about, getting really clear. So what does impenetrable joy mean to somebody? They have to kind of have a vision of that, right? 100%. That's where I found my joy was in the vision, right? In the vision of the future that I wanted to create. Because in that creating of that visualization is all the feelings, right? It's all the, the touch and the see and the smell and the taste and the, all the things in that visualization. Like when I'm done with my visualization in the morning, most of the time I have tears of joy streaming down my face. That's how in that movie I am. And that's what I recommend for people because, you know, we think we want all these things, but what we actually want is how we think we're going to feel when we have the things. So why not have that feeling now? You can have that feeling now. That's the joy. And it's not, you know, like some people think joy is just this jumping up and down exuberance. It's not just that. It is that, those feelings too, but it's also like calm and stillness and peace of mind, quiet. Like that's all part of joy too. And so my morning ritual is a visualization meditation. And then I always listen or read something that speaks to my soul because not everybody thinks like this. And so I've got to immerse myself 
in this information or telling people on podcasts or talking to clients about these things all the time because this is my deepest truth that I know is real and matters in this life. And if I don't keep immersing myself in it, I'll get lost in all the jungle out there. Yeah. Yeah. And the media is a very seductive for maybe not for you these days, but it's very seductive to a lot of us who wake up. I don't go to my phone first thing, but I know that some people do. It's email or it's social or it's the news. And I don't think that's the most grounded place to start our day, whether it's email, social, or the news. Even if you love your social media following, even if everything is delightful and the pictures are gorgeous, it's kind of not grounding, I don't think. It's somebody else's life we're looking at, whether it's the news or social, or it's looking for what people said about us, which is external you know, validation of something. So I, I appreciate that you're saying in the morning, you start with what resonates for you, makes you feel great, finds your spot of joy, like where is it going to be today? And I do similar thing. Just I just talk to my angels and guides like, what's here for me today? You know, mm, keep nice. my eyes and ears open, my heart open so that I can see the opportunities of A, how to serve and how to receive. Because we have to also be willing to have that joy reflected back to us. We can't go like, I want joy, but oh, I'm miserable over here, right? Talk a little bit about <laughs> the process of changing people's minds to go from panic and stress and all this stuff. Like, what's the first step for people? Well, when I'm working with clients, the first step I, I do with them is I ask them to tell me their story. And of course, they tell me all rainbows and sunshine. <laughs> they tell me all of the stuff, right? All the yucky stuff that happened to them that was unfair, that was traumatic, that was abuse, whatever the thing is, whatever the things are. And the reason I start there is because we are destined to live our past if we continue to pull from it all day, every day, which mm. is what most people do without awareness. Yes. And so if we can talk about the story, understand the pieces that matter, it's not the pieces that, you know, in the past, it was always like psychotherapy, psychoanalysis, all those things where where did it come from? Why did it happen? It's not about those things anymore. It really is what did you derive from those experiences? And they are beliefs that we'd created, what we sort of committed to knowing in this life, like what our perception of everybody and everything is came from those moments. And when we can acknowledge that past and then create a new story, that process allows people to let go of the past. And when they understand that they are not those past things, see, my life up until the last five years, I thought I was my thoughts. I thought I was my emotions. And that created a roller coaster ride of events all day, every day, because I was in reaction to everybody and everything. When people start to recognize, that they are not their thoughts and that they can actually change the thoughts that they're having. See, I didn't know that either. I thought, you know, these thoughts are just happening. You know, I didn't know. I just thought I was in reaction to everything. But actually, when you get intentional, like you were speaking of earlier, that's when real stuff starts happening. But you get to dictate that. You know, it's an empowering position to recognize that you're responsible for everything you've created in your life. Versus being in blame or shame about these things, the responsibility is empowering. It's like, oh, if I can create all these things through my thoughts 
and the emotional reactions that I have, then I can uncreate the things that I don't like and create intentionally the things that I do like. And you're not saying that stuff's not going to happen outside of us, right? Things are going to no, come our way. Yeah. Normal things of life don't just magically go away. No, they don't magically go away. But I'll tell you, you know, the emotions that we have, the reaction that we go into, those are gifts. Those are showing us where we can heal and grow. I mean, that is 100% why they exist. It's not to be challenged. Like, we're not here to be like, challenged. This life is not about, you know, overcoming these huge obstacles. It's actually about recognizing where growth and healing can happen and seeing them for what they actually are versus overly inflated emotions. You can look at your emotions and go, oh, so this happened. This guy cut just as a, for example, this guy cut me off in traffic and I flipped him off, right? Like instead of, you know, just assuming that's normal behavior, going, oh, that's interesting. So the first piece is awareness. Like, where am I reacting to people and circumstances? And noticing that. So that requires that you get a little bit separate from yourself and recognize that, oh, while it is me that's having the emotion, I am not the emotion. And how you know you're not the emotion is because you can have an emotion and name what that emotion is. So who is that that's naming it? Mm -hmm. That's actually who you are. So you can have a thought and go, oh, I just had that thought. Who's the spectator there? That's actually who you are. And so when you can create that separateness and recognize that you aren't those thoughts and you aren't those emotions, they are just predictable things that you do based on past experiences. Then you can begin to acknowledge where you're at, have awareness of when you go into reaction, find strategies that work to create a different, like create an intention and then strategically do your mind differently and then practice that over and over again, that's growth and healing. So tell us, let's just say we practice and we don't flip people off in traffic. So the traffic, the ride by extension becomes more enjoyable because we're not so waiting for somebody who's going to like, they're driving too slow, they're driving too fast. So all those thoughts go away. So now we're having a peaceful ride. But in the big picture, what does we are not our thoughts do for people? Well, ultimately, it does that exact thing. It creates a different experience, right? So many of us think that we would like to have, you know, uh, riches and stat success and all these things. And the reason that we want those things is for how we think we're going to feel when we have them. So why not just have that experience? Like, again, we're not here. Like, it's not, we're not here to be challenged. It's not, you know, I see a lot of rhetoric on social media about like overcoming and all the things. And the reality is, is it's not about the challenge. It's about the experience. If I can show you how to experience this life in a very different way, wouldn't that be more meaningful to you? than having a pile of money or a fancy car. I mean, the fancy car and the money, they represent this idea of safety, mm. like security, right? There's no, I mean, if this last year told any of us anything, <laughs> there is no security. I'm so sorry to tell you 
that having a pile of money is not going to make you any more secure. In my old business, I had clients that were multi-billionaires, multi-millionaires, products that you and I both use, names you would recognize, some of the most miserable people I've ever met. They can spend their entire day doing whatever they want all day, every day. And what do they do? They micromanage housing staff. <laughs> they do crazy stuff. And I think, and I can't, I did, you know, it even took me a while to put it together. I was like, you know, the cliche of, you know, money doesn't make you happy. It doesn't make you happy. But until you experience it for yourself, I had all the things in my old business. I had the time flexibility, I had the money, but I also had the stress, anxiety, worry. I was overwhelmed all the time. Like I had all those things and I was totally miserable. And I'm not saying that having money doesn't mean you can still be in joy. You can do both at the same time. Just understand that the pile of money is not what brings you joy and it never will. And there won't be enough of it ever to make that happen. Right. Which is not to say that, as you said, you can have the money, you can have the car. If those are things you desire and you start to create a life that comes from, I create my life, I'm going to vision this into being, hold the space, right? So people can create, there's nothing wrong with a pile of money, but it's the searching for the questing for the feeling, as you were talking about, that money we think brings us that's backwards. And I always say when I'm working with people on their body, oh, I want to do this, I want to change this and lose all this weight. And what how do you want to feel? That's where I always start. We're here because you want to feel something different than what you feel right now. What is that thing? Well, I want to feel more energetic. And how will you feel when you're more energetic? Right? We keep drilling down, drilling down. Because like you said too, the there are these core feelings that are part of the human experience. We're not here to be punished. There's no God looking down and going, oh, you're, you're bad today, whatever. Or we're not here to be challenged. <laughs> you know, speaking of social media, you know, there are things like you got to tough it out and you got to get through this. And on the other side, you got this because there's a lesson. There is a lesson in how we experience things, but I don't think the things are given to us to provide a lesson per se. So once you decide how you want to experience the life that you're given, how you want to feel, that's the first step as far as I'm understanding what you're saying. 100%. Yeah. Most of the time when people come to me, as you, I assume, is they're in crisis of some sort, right? Maybe it's emotional, spiritual crisis or body, you know, they have disease or whatever. They all stem from the same, in my estimation. My estimation, it, we are three parts equally, mind, body, and spirit. And when we are out of whack in any or all of those, then things get created like crisis, disease, you know, all these things are created out of that and they can be uncreated just as easily. I mean, that's why there are things like spontaneous remission, like doctors can't explain that, but it's because they have flipped a switch up here that said, I do not believe that that is my truth, mm-hmm. that this disease or whatever is my truth. And so you can do that anytime, but it requires an elevated emotional experience, which is why the visualization is so important because you cannot change is difficult just mentally <laughs> trying to make a change. Like nobody goes, yippee, change, you know, <laughs> it's like in resistance to it 100% all the time. 
And so you just start to recognize that your patterns of behavior are constantly in resistance to change. Your subconscious mind is uninterested in change, period, across the board. It is only interested in survival. And so if you let it run the show or steer the boat, then you're in trouble because you're just going to keep recreating the same thing over and over again. You have to disrupt all that stuff. And it doesn't have to be painful, but it won't feel right because right Mm -hmm. feels like the same. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And it's a little uncomfortable if you decide to take on a different way of thinking or being and the world around you, especially your close friends and family, aren't there. And that often happens and that's okay. So sometimes you just kind of have to keep it to yourself until you get to that place where you can start saying to other people, because you're sure in yourself, I'm practicing this. I really see a difference in my life. Then you can say to somebody, I just noticed that you get really like whacked out when X, Y, and Z happens or the dog is barking. What? Let's talk about that, right? You can, you can then talk, but if you, you, you wake up and listen, coach with Aaron for uh, you know, your first episode with, Ever, with Aaron, and then you run off to your next of kin or your spouse or significant other and you say, I'm changing my life. I'm awful of visioning now. And this and that, you're going to get like, wah, wah. You know? <laughs> what is going on with this human? So again, it's not easy to change. It's also because of the people that love us, they want us to stay the same just as much as our reptilian brain wants us to stay the same because it puts them out of their comfort zone if we start to become different or be different. Yeah. When we start to heal and grow, we get out of alignment with some of the people in our life for sure. And that can be very challenging for other people because, I mean, hey, we're literally going around all day, every day, projecting all of our stuff on everybody. (laughs) So when that starts to change, I mean, I'll do exercises with people. I'll just say, because most people like they'll come home from work and they'll go, you know, how was your day, honey? And I'll be like, oh, you know, traffic and this thing happened and this other thing happened and all the bad stuff, right? And it's like, when you start to shift to recognizing that most everything in your life is working out (laughs) and then you train the people around you not to talk about those things, they don't even notice it, but you do, you know? Mm -hmm. So you can do that like quickly. You can literally just Stop the habitual conversations that you have with your spouses, with your kids, and just insert different things or take things out. And they will not even notice right out. I mean, they'll notice there's a shift, but they won't be able to put their finger on it. And you can shift an entire household in a matter of like five minutes. They start to talk about, you know, all the things that didn't work out, and you say nothing, and then you change the subject, and then subconsciously they go, oh, she doesn't talk about those things anymore. So then they don't talk about them. So you've shifted not only you, but you shifted your whole house by modeling for them how to behave. And those things are like, I mean, I just, it's like, this is like the game of life. You know, this is like fun. You can, you know, go through life as like, I literally, my experience of life is that all this out here is like a movie. And so when I see people in reaction, I just go, oh, that's so interesting. They have a belief that's being poked right now. I wonder what that is, mm-hmm. you know, or me, you know, so I noticed like sometimes, you know, with the kiddos home and I'm doing homework in the evenings, I get agitated. I'm like, why is that? I get to check in with myself and go, why am I all of a sudden my voice is raised? I'm agitated. I have low patience, you know, 
And so it becomes more of a spectator sport than it does <laughs> having to be in the midst of all these things going up and down all the time. Yeah. And I think that is the beauty of practicing this way of being, because as you said, you noticed instantly if you're getting triggered, oh, why am I raising my voice? Why am I agitated? And you step back and you could close that down and have the next moment be in a different way. And that is super powerful if anybody listening has complicated relationships, who doesn't, close relationships, people in the house, we've all been locked down. You know, it might be getting a little testy at times. But if you recognize that you're triggered or poked, as Aaron said, and you just take a second, I want to have a different outcome. I don't want to, I know that the pattern is we're going to fight, we're heading for a fight, we're cruising for a bruising. But how much of a better outcome and a much nicer, and as you said, the other person's probably not going to notice. But in that instant, it's like, okay, I know that I'm agitated. Either I will do one of two things. I'll say, I am sorry. I'm just agitated right now. And let's just put this on the shelf for five minutes and I'll be back. Or I just take a deep breath. And what was that that you said? Kind of let's start over without saying that and making a big deal out of it. It really is powerful. But it's because I've worked so many years to understand that I still am a human being. I'm going to react, going to have weak moments or strong, overly strong moments, those kinds of things. So it really, you're right about changing the whole vibe of the house. Yeah. And I think, I mean, one of the classes that I'm starting right now is like learning how to be in spiritual partnership with people because when you understand that, you know, you have these belief structures that are foundational and you understand why you're having an emotion and you have a partner that understands those things as well, then you can, when you go into reaction or they go into reaction, you don't have to go into reaction over there. Like you can recognize that's theirs they get to have that mm-hmm. and i get to have my own and you know you can support each other in that growth versus you know getting into like you were talking about that cycle of like i say this and that agitates you and then you say that and that agitates me and the whole dynamic that happens a lot of times for couples or even friends recognizing what's going on behind the scenes and then be able to support each other through like, oh, I noticed that your voice is raised now. I wonder why that I've noticed you're angry right now. I wonder Mm -hmm. why that is. Mm -hmm. Do you have any idea? You know, and you can ask those questions without agitating them because they understand the process of what's going on behind the scenes. I think that's important. Oh, absolutely. Somebody, I want to get to your class in a moment, but somebody once said um, in a training, Harbecker, I think was the first person I heard say this was, you can either be happy or you can be right. He said being right is one of the most damaging, right? So I, again, heard that. I couldn't unhear it. I thought, what is this? Studied over the years. There are times when I swear my husband or somebody else, usually I don't you know, react to other people the way I might to my husband. And we have a great relationship, don't get me wrong. But he might say something. And in my head, I say something right back, snark. I used to be like Miss Snark. But I don't say it because it's like, Oh, I just want to have the last word, don't I? This is one of those situations where I'm trying to be right. He just made a point. I don't agree. Whatever. Let me go back to making breakfast. Really, really powerful. But again, it's that self-awareness and that who is having that thought, me. I get to choose whether I want to say it or not. The thought is not in control, as you said at the beginning of the call. Yeah. So tell the people about your class. Where can they find out about these classes and whatever else you offer? I'm actually, I'm doing the pilot right now. So... It's four modules. The first three are the basis of my classes in general that I always Mm -hmm. teach. 
which are about the tenants, which are, you know, your dominant thoughts create your reality and taking personal responsibility for those, understanding your beliefs, emotions, what they are, what they're signaling and how to reconcile them and some strategies on how to, you know, reshape your mind and do all the things. This one will be those three first ones and the strategies will be around relationships specifically. Not all too different than everything I always teach, which are the same things because I think these are the things that are important. Otherwise, I wouldn't be teaching them, I guess. I'm not posting them. The first class is starting on, I think, the second week in April. And so after four weeks, then I will begin to post and um, you'll be able to find it on Instagram or on my website. Okay. What's your website? Um, it's Erin, uh, E-R-I-N dash M-A-C dot com. And under services, they'll, the courses will be listed. I have free webinars all the time on okay. this stuff that you can find through LinkedIn. The URL is usually in my Instagram, which is Aaron Mac LLC. Okay, cool. Yeah. I'm woefully late to the Instagram party. I, I'm on Instagram. <laughs> so I'm racing around trying to figure out like how many times a day can I post? And what, but there's so many interesting things and people on Instagram. It's almost like... And I never really, I'm not a big Facebook person, but Instagram is just like a world of new people and possibilities and fun things, not just pictures, right? I just feel like there's so much going on there. Yeah. I mean, I have never been a fan of Facebook. There's always seemed like this look at me, like my life is perfect. And, <laughs> you know, and I just feel like, you know, myself included, I can get wrapped up in that too, comparing, you know, comparing mm-hmm. yourself to other people that are in the same you know, industry or lot in life or whatever versus just going inside and going, okay, like I'm here doing my thing and and, the, and I'm good right now in this moment. Yeah. Um, but Instagram to me is, I don't know, I've made some interesting connections. Like yeah. people have DM'd me and we've sort of become friends. I've bought things from people, people <laughs> I've done free consultations and they've sent me like jewelry and stuff. Oh, wow. I mean, yeah. So it's, it's pretty cool. And you can kind of curate what is on your feed, right? Because it's really important, again, like that you want to surround yourself with the things that matter to you the most because we just get so distracted by all the other things. You know, we could get distracted by watching the news all the time and thinking that everything is doom and gloom. Mm-hmm. When again, the news is a snapshot of bad stuff happening, mostly. I mean, they're not going, oh, look at this peace party. <laughs> you know, It's like all the things that aren't going well. And yeah. then there's all these like millions of things that are going really well. And we're somehow focused on, you know, we focused an entire hour on horrible things. <laughs> and yeah. Yeah. I don't get that. I haven't watched the news in over a decade because I was having a visceral response to it. And I thought, well, I don't need to do that every night. That's kind of silly. Yeah. Yeah, my At first, I felt irresponsible, but now I just feel like, you know, I find out the things that I need to find out. Yeah, I'm with you. I, I've relearned that. For a long time, when I was a chef, I worked at night. I didn't even have a television because there was no point. You know, I'd rather stay out having glass wine with my girlfriend than go home and watch television. So I was out of the habit of being news, but then started listening to NPR on the radio, and it's kind of a little bit less horrifying, or it was. Now it just seems. And then, of course, during a certain presidential era, I got a little crazy and I watched everything and I was <laughs> twitching the whole time. And now that that's all over, I realized I've got so much more time back in my life. And I, I don't <laughs> care that my dopamine doesn't get pinged every hour. On the hour. 
It's crazy. Not proud of well, it. Well, I mean, I it. it brings me to the, you know, so yeah, this last year, the last presidency, whatever, however you feel about all those things, there's always going to be something. Yeah. So why yeah. not navigate the internal experience now so that when the, ne- the next thing happens, because there will be a next thing. Oh, yeah. So when the next thing happens, you're good. You're neutral and grounded inside of you. And so whatever's going on outside, while you may not agree with it, you won't have to be in reaction to it. Yeah. And I would bring that down to the individual level because I always, this is from a health point of view as well as your point of view. Practice this stuff for you because things are going to come up. You're still going to have an annoying, name it, experience or person. There's still going to be catastrophes that happen, as you said, probably not as many once you start creating your life differently. But if you ground yourself now and find ways to be impenetrably joyful and peaceful, then won't knock you off, won't rock you to your core anyway. And hey, you know, we were talking about relationships prior. And I would say, you know, everybody that comes into your life comes into your life on purpose. Oh, yeah. I mean, romantic relationships are the best way to heal and grow. I mean, you you pick those people intentionally for those purposes. So why not use it intentionally? Mm-hmm. You know, even though you're not aware of it, even though you don't know that you picked that person to be with because they're poking all your buttons, mm-hmm. they're absolutely doing that. And they're doing it for your benefit, not to irritate you, to agitate you to actually create change. That's the purpose of those. Mm-hmm. And you can't, like, we can't do this healing and growing in a vacuum. There's no way. You can't do it by yourself. You've got to have other people in your life. So you might as well make it a game and make it fun. Yeah. On that note, I think we should all leave with the idea that life is a game and let's make it fun. Erin McCollum, thank you so much for your time. And I hope everybody will go visit erin-mac.com. Yeah. Yes. And see what she's got going on and find her on Instagram, LLC. Yes. Okay, great. It was great to have you. I love these kind of conversations and I'm 100% in your corner about creating our lives. So thank you for sharing your wisdom and experience with the listeners. Oh my gosh. Thank you so much for having me. These platforms are super important to have these conversations on. Yeah, they are. And to all the listeners, thank you for being here as usual, week after week, supporting us here at Rebellious Wellness Over 50. You are much appreciated too. Be well till next time, everybody. That's the end of another episode of the Rebellious Wellness Over 50 podcast. I hope you've enjoyed it. If there's anything that you heard or hear when you tune in that you think would benefit a friend, a sister, a mother, hey, even some guys, send them my way, would you? And if you've not ever been to the website, rebelliouswellnessover50.com, head on over there. There are resources, things that I don't always get to on the podcast that might help you age better. Be well till next time and stay that way.